If you brought a Bible, go to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Um, I'm believing tonight that we're all a little bit curious. That we're all a little bit curious, not about who's sitting next to me or curious about um, what's next after we get done with this moment, but I'm, I'm hoping that all of us would make a decision tonight that we'd be curious about what the Lord would want to say right here, right now. That he would want to say something to you, to speak a truth into you right here, right now, and not wait another minute. Do you believe that God can speak to you right now? There's a little, that was a very tentative. Here's what I believe and here's what I pray. That every single time that we have a chance to gather like this as the family of God, that we open up our hearts to the reality that he could speak to us at any given point. But the reality is, is not many of us are listening. And so if he did speak a truth, some of us are so complacent, so apathetic, and not in a place where we would receive what the Lord has for us tonight. The truth tonight is hard. The truth in God's word and where we're going to go tonight in Acts chapter 6 and 7 and Ephesians 4 is a hard truth and a hard pill to swallow. And I'm hoping and I'm believing that you're a little bit curious about what did that sound like? What does that mean for me in my own heart and my own life? Here's the reality of our culture. Our culture is all about canceling. And, and there was a murmur there. There was a little bit. Nobody wants to get canceled. Isn't that true? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Nobody wants to lose the followers. Nobody wants to lose the likes. Nobody wants to... Uh, be ostracized because of something they say. And so we walk around so fearful of what to say or what to believe because we are afraid in our hearts of being canceled. Canceled by a friend, canceled by a group of people that you may be a part of. You're afraid of being cast out, canceled. That's a very popular word nowadays. Uh, politicians are getting canceled. Like music artists are getting canceled because of maybe something they say or something they do that is not popular or not in line with what other people believe. And so they will cancel people out. How many of you have that fear too? Yeah. A lot of us have that fear of being canceled. Some of us are like, I don't have no platform, no social platform. I can't get canceled because I don't say nothing, right? Noah's like, yes, that's me. Um, but here's, here's the truth. Here's the truth. The voices that we listen to many times determine our identity. Now, like I said, this is a big truth right here. I'm, I'm going to grow you up a little bit. The voices that we listen to, good or bad, many times determine our identity and determine our position and who we are in Christ. Maybe it's a long time ago somebody said something to you that you are worthless. Or they maybe said something to you that was like, you're the greatest football player ever. Or they said something to you, you heard that voice, you heard that comment, and you heard that you are blank statement early on in those days, and you have automatically placed that upon, I'm starting to preach right now in the very first two minutes of this. Like, do you, you have heard those words in your days, and you have transferred that even to your identity and who you are right now. If you said, hey, my name is, fill in the blank. Everybody say your name. My name is? 
Now, here's the next one. I am blank. Here's the thing. When you answer the second question, when you answer the second question, how did you know that to be true? Is it because you heard somebody say that about you a long time ago? And you've just said, this is who I am? Maybe it's a long time ago, or maybe you heard something, or maybe, oh gosh, I'm starting to, oh Lord. You, you have, I'm not even on a script right now. Um, like, you've seen a social media post, or you have seen something on TikTok that maybe is something that you feel or is right. And you have transferred that truth off that digital platform and you have placed it on your own heart and your life and you have become to believe a lie about who you are. (gasps) Y'all, that's wrong. If you believe that what you see on Instagram or TikTok or any other social media platform, Visco, whatever you want to get on, like if you look at that and you say, oh, that looks like me and that must be me, that's wrong. You're allowing culture to determine who you are, and that's wrong, especially if you're a believer in Christ. If you are a believer in Christ, that means that you have surrendered your heart and your life to him and said a forever yes and you're believing the lies of what culture is telling you and feeding you about who you are and who you are as a person, then you're feeding into the lie of the evil one and the culture is defining your identity, not Jesus, not the God of the universe who created you. Maybe you're hearing, well, I have thoughts about the opposite sex or I have thoughts about the same sex. I must be gay. I must be homosexual. But is that anywhere close to biblical? And all of God's people said, no. Because God created us, male and female, at the very beginning of time. And he warns us all throughout the New Testament, don't abuse this sexual um, identity of who you are. Like, I have created you a female. I have created you a male. And sometimes we read and believe what somebody says about who we are, and we accept that identity as who we are. And y'all, that's wrong. And I'm here to tell you the truth because I love you. You're listening to the wrong voice. You're listening to the wrong voice. And you have placed your identity in a false truth. And you've believed it to be true. And I, I want everyone to hear this. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And there's a God in heaven who created you and formed you and knows everything about you. And if anybody is going to tell me who I am, it needs to be him. It needs to be him. And I'm going to look at what or listen to what I'm feeding myself and realizing that that is wrong. I probably need to unfollow some people. I probably need to uh, change my TikTok or even just get rid of it at least for a season, so you can discover who God has created you to be. And I'll tell you this, he's created you to be a child of the king. With all the rights and privileges that comes with being a child of the king. And so there is a 
I, I, I'm on it right now. I'm on it. Lord, thank you for this. Like, I, this, is, this is something that we all need to come to grips with. Who you are matters. And it doesn't matter to anybody else other than to God Almighty. And if you are a believer in Christ, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I hope and I pray that you start listening to his voice tell you who you are and not everybody else. That's an amen right there. That's where you put that. Amen. That means you agree. When you say amen, that means I agree. I'm not going to listen to the voice of culture anymore that tells me who I am or what I think. I'm going to listen to the God of the universe who knows me full well, and I'm going to step into that. Now we're going to get into the truth of tonight. When you step out of listening to culture tell you who you are, and you start going against the grain, you're a rebel. Majority of our world today is not a Christian. If you think about the globe and the seven point, I don't know, billion people that are in the world, a believer in Christ is a minority. We are not living, we are living in a post-Christian culture, even in the United States of America. You can think about it, look on your campus. Look at the people you hang out with, like you see on a regular basis. There are a lot of lost people around you. Do you feel like that you're alone? Do you feel like there's not very many Christians around you? You walk the halls of school, you go to the different places, go to the mall. If you walk around, don't go to that mall, don't go, go to a different one. Go to, I mean, if you go to the mall, you will see tons of people who are lost. You are a minority. Being a Christian in this world you're among the small group of people. And that is a truth. And if you are someone who stands up for what you believe, you are a rebel. You are a rebel against culture because you're standing up for what is right, what is true, what is honorable, what is godly. You're standing up for those things. And the people around you are going to want to cancel you. And there's a situation here in Acts chapter 6 and 7 where some religious leaders were canceling, literally canceling, a strong believer in Christ for standing up for what was right and true and honorable. And his name is Stephen. It's my namesake. He spells it P-H, I spell it with a V. But anyway, um, so Acts chapter 6, I need to go fast because I preached the whole sermon. This is the second sermon. Here we go. Um, Rebels are not afraid. Here's the big idea for the, night, for the night. Rebels are not afraid to stand up for the gospel. Get this. Boldness is a blessing. Boldness is a blessing. Now you're like, bless you. Why, how, how, how is that a blessing? How is my boldness a blessing? Let me unpack that for the rest of our time together, okay? So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Rebels are not afraid to stand up. For the gospel. I'm redefining what a rebel is for all of us. Okay? Let me introduce you to Stephen. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. Now, a martyr is someone who is killed for their faith. And even sadly, there are martyrs in our world today. It made the national news about a year or two ago that many Christians in the Iraq, Iran, Libya kind of area that many of them were standing up for their faith and they were being executed on the spot because they were a believer 
in Christ. They are real-life martyrs. Now, y'all, you're not going to get killed for your faith in the United States of America. That's just not, like, probably not going to happen. But you have a constitutional right, right? (laughs) It's embedded in the grain of our culture, this constitutional right to life, liberty, and happiness. Like, that is, and the right to believe what you want to believe. You're not going to be killed because you're a Christian. Nobody is going to, maybe somebody will have a vendetta, but nobody is literally going to walk in the door and say, oh, you're all busted. You're all going to be executed for being at church tonight. But in many cultures across the world, that is absolutely true. There are many believers who are underground church, in, especially in Asia and uh, even East Asia, China, those areas. Those people are literally secret Christians. They are underground meeting as a church, and they fear for their lives every single, lives every single time that they gather for their faith. That is real, y'all. I'm not making that up. That is true. And there are so many that we have the luxury to be able to live this life. But Stephen, in this, this part of the world, in this moment, he started standing up for his faith, and people didn't like it. And he was calling out people for um, their fake faith. And he called them at one point, we're going to read it tonight, you stiff-necked people, why don't you listen to the gospel? And Stephen was a rebel. And he was ultimately killed, martyred for his faith. Let's read about it. Let's start in uh, Acts chapter 6. Let's jump to, oh goodness, Acts chapter 6. Let's start in verse 4. Now, what was, let me give you context a little bit. So what was happening, the church was starting to grow. There needed some people to do ministry alongside the apostles as they were teaching. The apostles said, hey, we're going to anoint, we're going to come alongside seven men that are going to go and they're going to do ministry on our behalf so that we can do the teaching of the word. And so here they are, they come up with these seven names. I can't pronounce all of them, but I'm going to try. Here we go. But verse four we will devote ourselves, as the apostles, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the preaching ministry. The proposal pleased the whole company, so the whole church. So they chose Stephen, remember that name, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, oh, here we go, Procurius, Nicaran, Timon, Parmeus, and Nicholas. I did pretty good on that, didn't I? Did that sound right? Okay. Um, I even tried to practice it in my office earlier. I butchered it then too. So um, a proselyte of Antioch, they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. Now here's the thing. Here's point number one. Rebels are ready. Rebels are ready. Now here's the thing. I want you to look in verse, verse, what was that? Verse five and how they described Stephen. How did they describe Stephen? He was what? He was full of? Faith, right? He was full of faith. In other words, there's there a moment in time for Stephen before we met this guy right here in Acts chapter 6. Like there's some time that happened that Stephen came to face defeat of who Jesus was and surrendered his life to him and had great faith in who Jesus was. And the message of the gospel, Stephen owned it. Like he knew it. He was a part of it. He was a man full of faith. Guess what? Stephen was ready. And he was ready by the gospel making a difference in his heart and his life. He was a Christian. He was a full-on believer of Christ. And because of that, he was ready to, and willing to do whatever it takes 
to be able to share the gospel and to do ministry in the early church. There's a reason why he was selected. It's because he was a godly man. And there's just something about godly people doing godly things in God's name. And when we start doing that, we start rising up and the church begins to identify those people, to equip those people to do more for his glory. Just something that God does and how he does that in the life of the church. And this is a moment where Stephen was ready. He didn't know what was coming for him, but he was ready. Let's keep reading. Not only was he ready, but he he didn't relent. He stayed focused, and he wouldn't back down in the face of opposition. So let's look in verse 8. Jump down to verse 8. Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Woo! The man was full of the Holy Spirit. He was out ministering. He was doing some good stuff. Then some from what was called the Freedmen's Synagogue composed both of Cyrenians and Alexandrians, basically a lot of Greek influences, uh, Roman influences, sorry, and some of the Sicilian and Asian came forward and disputed with Stephen. In other words, there was a great opposition. Stephen was standing up for the faith, and a couple of people were like, oh no, we don't like that. And this is what happened, verse 10. But they were not able to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. You know what? He did not relent. He did not back down. In the face of opposition, who were challenging what he was saying and talking and doing, that opposition, he stood up. That's point number two. Rebels don't relent. Here's the thing. We all admire a rebel. Why? Because they're passionate about what they believe in. We admire their passion. We admire their courage. We admire them for standing up even in the midst of everything coming against them. They will stand up and say, this is right, and I believe it. And, this. and here's the thing. Those that are watching this rebel stand up, we all admire them. All of us. We all look at them and go, that, you're brave. <laughs> That's a big deal. Like, you're the man, right? Or you're the, you're the woman for doing that. Like, that's... That's amazing. We all, and we admire their passion. We admire their boldness. They didn't relent. They didn't back down. They didn't cower. They didn't step back and go, oh, no, no, not me. No, Stephen wasn't one of those guys. Stephen knew who Jesus was. He knew the gospel message, and he was willing to stand up and to say, you know what? What I'm hearing is not right. What I'm seeing is not right. And he had great opposition against him. He did not relent. Let's keep reading. So in verse in chapter seven, he basically they they try to he basically presents his defense, an apologetic defense of the reason why he believes what he believes about who Jesus is. And he goes all the way back to Abraham. He talks about Abraham's descendants. Then he talks about what happened in Egypt and how the Pharaoh was against them. I'm paraphrasing all of chapter 7. Ready? Here we go. And so he uh, talks about Egypt and how uh, God saved them. And he introduces Jacob and Joseph and Joseph's family. And then he comes in to talk about Moses. And Moses was like a modern-day savior. And he keeps on talking. And he basically is huge dissertation on why he believes what he believes. And he talks about Israel's rebellion against God and how God tried to bring them back. And then in this moment, as he is going back and forth and presenting his case on the reason why he believes what he believes, which I think is very important for believers to know, 
why you believe what you believe. He stands in front of them and risks every bit of it. And he calls them out for their sin. Here it is, verse 51. I, I don't know about you, in my Bible, I underlined this one because I thought it was amazing, all right? He looks at them, verse 51, you stiff-necked people. <laughs> now, back in Bible times, that was a big deal, right? You know? In, in Bible times, when you looked at somebody, you're stiff-necked. That means you didn't move. In other words, you would not listen. He said, I'm going through and telling you all this stuff that's true and the stuff that you know about Moses and Abraham and the stories of the part in the seas and Pharaohs and all that Moses come in and saving us. Oh, let my people go. Like, and he looks at them and says, you stick nut people. You're not even listening to what I'm saying. You're missing it. And they didn't like that. You're always resisting the Holy Spirit. As your ancestors did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute, even when killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers who have none become, now become? You received the law under the direction of angels, and yet you have not kept it. Stephen says, you're not listening. You don't even recognize when the Holy Spirit even speaks to you. You don't even know what that sounds like or looks like. And even then, you're believing a lie. And Stephen calls him out for it. And here's the point. Rebels risk it. Rebels risk it. That was a very bold statement for Stephen. And <laughs> after this happened, the first dodgeball tournament ever in the history of mankind happened. If you know this story, you kind of have to giggle. <laughs> so... The religious leaders, <laughs> I thought it was awesome. So verse 54, look at verse 54, it's not on the screen. When they heard these things, they were enraged in their hearts and gnashed their teeth at them. And this is what they said, but Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed up at heaven. He saw God's glory with Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they screamed at him at the top of the lungs, covering their ears rushed against him, and they threw him out of the city, and they stoned him right there. They stoned the rebel, the one who was standing up for their faith. They marched him outside of the city and said, we're going to cancel you. We don't want to hear your voice anymore. We don't want to hear your reasoning anymore. And the stones started flying. And I, when you read this story, and you see they were stoning Stephen as they called out, Lord Jesus Receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried in a Lord, loud voice, Lord, do not, do not charge them with this sin. And saying this, he fell asleep. In the moment that Stephen is being stoned, he calls out virtually the same thing that Jesus did on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Stephen, as he is looking up to heaven and stones are flying at him and he's being martyred for his faith, he says, forgive them for what they do. Rebels risk it. Rebels risk it. You know what? When you live a lifestyle that is contrary to the culture, you are a rebel. Now, as I've been talking about what this means of being a rebel, many times you think of rebellion. You think I'm a rebelling against my parents, I'm rebelling against 
uh, authority. I'm a rebellious person. And yes, that may be true for some of you in this room. You may be rebelling from everything that is good and holy in your life. You may be rebelling from all of those things, those influences that are positive, because you don't like it, because you enjoy your sin. Because you're standing in rebellion for all things that are good and godly, and I believe there are some in the room that are in this place that are feeling that way, that you know that. You know that about your life. You're here because you're checking the box or your mom told you to go. You feel like that this is a good thing and this is what I'm supposed to do. But in your heart, you are living in rebellion. And I want to flip that on your head. I want to flip that literally all the way around and just turn it upside down and simply say, what would it look like if you surrendered fully to Christ and allowed that rebellion to take place? That you would simply look at the sin and the ungodliness around you and you would simply step out and say, you know what? I believe and in boldness and in confidence who Jesus is and what he's done. He has changed my life. I'm a different person because of who Christ is. And so I'm stepping out in faith. I'm taking bold steps of rebellion against a sinful world. And I'm saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm all in for you. I'm all in for you. I'm going to risk it, God. I'm ready. I know the Lord. I know what you've done in my heart and my life. I know how you've changed me. And there's good people in this world that need to experience the same kind of regeneration, redemption, whatever you want to call it, like changing you from being a sinful person into walking into godliness and holiness. And that's the type of rebellion I'm asking, and I believe that God is asking us to have. It's not that we rebel from the things that are good, that we would rebel from the things that are bad. Here's another thing. I believe that when God changes someone, which God can, and it doesn't matter how far you are gone, doesn't matter how far you are running away from the Lord, He, and by His power alone, He can change you. If you're finding yourself rebelling from all the things that are good in your life, and you surrender to the Lordship of Christ in your life, and you flip it, and you say, you know what? I'm going to accept the things that are godly. I'm going to accept the things that are holy. I'm going to accept that, you know what? He could change me from the inside out. If I believe that, and I believe that about my life, then I can step out in faith and rebel against all the things that are bad. And I believe that's what God's calling some of us to do tonight. There's a sense of boldness that comes when he changes us. There's a sense of boldness that needs to come over the believers in the room. They would simply say, I see ungodliness and I see sin in my world and I don't like it. And I'm going to stand up against it. The kind of transformation that happens when we surrender to our hearts and the lives of Christ, it's not that, hmm, let me see how to put this. It's not like you can have a foot in either side. Oh, I, I want to make sure that I love Jesus. Yes, I do. But I'm, I still entertain a little bit of sin because I like it. It makes me feel good. And I'm accepted by my friends who are living that way. But yet, I love Jesus. I came to Exodus 15 this week. I'm mixing it up and chopping it up with my friends like who are believers in Christ. It makes me feel good. And then I sway back and forth. You smell what I'm stepping in here? You smell that? Many of us are back and forth in our walk with the Lord. We're back and forth. 
Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, go for it. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. I've said a couple of controversial things tonight. Ephesians 4, 17. Here we go. This is the change that God wants to make in your life. If you are going to make a decision tonight and to rebel against the sin in your life and to start stepping out in boldness in faith, in your faith, Ephesians 4 is one of the greatest pictures that we could see. Therefore, verse 17, I think it's right, 17, yeah. Therefore, I say this and testify the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. In other words, Gentiles were sinners. They didn't know the Lord. He talks about in verse 18, they were darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over the promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire to do more and more. Verse 20, but that is not how you learned about the Messiah. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him because the truth is, is, is in Jesus. You took off the former way of life, the old self that was corrupted by deceitful desires, and you are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity and of the truth. Verse 25, since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. The thief must no longer steal, reference to John 10. Instead, he must do honest work with his hands so that he has something to share with everyone in need. No foul language is to come from your mouth. Uh Uh-oh. Paul is starting to meddle a little bit. No foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that he gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit, for you are sealed by him for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander must be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you. Verse five, chapter five, verse one. It's not up on the screen. It says, "Therefore, be imitators of Christ." Y'all, I just unpacked a lot right there. If you are a believer in Christ, live like a believer in Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. If you have surrendered your heart and your life to Christ, rebel against the world, and step in faith and boldness, that I am a believer in Christ. And I have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. I'm changed by the blood of Christ. I'm no longer an old person. Like the old self is gone. Not That sin guy is gone. I'm stepping out and believing that God has changed me, has redeemed me, has transformed me from the inside out. Y'all, that is being a rebel. That is being a rebel. Some of us need to step out of the darkness and step into the light. Some of us need to quit playing games with God and start stepping out in faith. Some of us need to quit entertaining ungodliness in our life and step into holiness and what that looks like in your life. And when you do that, trust me, when you do that, 
and the boldness that's in your life, it will be a blessing to someone else. That's the message. I'm done. Mostly. I feel like the Lord is asking me to ask you to take a step of boldness. Because nobody's asked you. Nobody has ever come up to you and said, hey, are you willing to step out and to stand up and to believe no matter who is looking, no matter who is not looking, no matter who, what people think? I want people around me to know that I'm a believer in Christ and I'm proud of it and I'm thankful for it. Am I perfect at it? No, I ain't perfect. But you know what? I've made my mind up that Jesus is right for me. Am I going to get it right every time? No. But you know what? I believe that Jesus redeemed me, transformed me, and there's forgiveness for me in the moments when I sin. Y'all, there are no such thing as perfect Christians. Let's just be honest. There's a perfect Savior. There's a perfect man named Jesus who empowers his children and gives gives all of us the power to stand up when we need to stand up. Stephen in this story had the power of Christ flowing through him and that enabled him and empowered him to stand up for his faith. He became bold because he knew who Jesus was and what Jesus could do. Some of you have never stood up for your faith. And that's the final thought. I'll just give you the final thought. The final thought there is how are you going to stand up for the gospel? Some of you have never stood up for the gospel. Why? Because nobody has ever pressured you. Nobody has ever challenged you. Nobody has asked you to rebel against sin. You just have. I don't know what this is. I don't know where you're going, Lord. Here we go. I don't. What would it look like for you to stand up on your campus? For your faith. And I, I know many of you are homeschooled, and so just go with me on this, all right? I get it. But there's a lot that are here that you go to school on a public school campus. And y'all, that's a dark place. It's a dark place. What would it look like for you? What would it look like for you to stand up like Stephen? for the boldness of the gospel? What would it look like for you to, and I know some of the guys are doing this, carry your Bible through the course of the day? What would it look like to actually speak the name of Jesus in your schools? What would it look like for you to have a conversation, a genuine conversation with your friend about the gospel and simply go, you know what, I I, got to tell you, Jesus has changed my life, and I just want to share him with you. Y'all, that's bold kind of faith. That's Stephen kind of boldness. And nobody has ever challenged you like I'm challenging you right now to do it. And I think you should. One, because I believe it with my whole heart. When I was on a high school, my high school campus, Bowie High School, Austin, Texas, there was a lot of non-believers Brad O'Kelly was one of those guys. Brad O'Kelly was the party guy. And back in those days, we didn't have social media. 
And so he would make flyers for the party he would have at his house on the weekends. And he was very strategic in who he invited. And he would walk up and down my English class, and he would walk up and down the aisles before class would start, and he would pass out flyers to his party for the night. Oh, yeah. It was not like any other party. It was a boozy party. Like, it was, uh, there was a lot of booze there, too. Um, like, it was, it, was the, it was the happening thing. And this is honest. I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating nothing. But Brad was walking up and down the aisles and gets to my desk. He says, you're not going to come. I'm not going to waste the paper on you. And he gave it to somebody else. At that, at that moment, I was like, am I not, and I'm not accepted? He literally canceled me in that moment. He literally looked at me and said, you're not worth the paper. He's not worth the invite. The more that I thought about it, the more that I realized that the reason why he was not going to invite me is because he knew who I was. He knew that I was a believer. He knew that I went to church every week. How did he know that? It's because I tried my best to live out my faith on my campus. Tried. Was not perfect at it. But I tried, and he knew that about me. Y'all, that's, that's bold. Isn't it? Isn't it? I think it's more than a lifestyle, though. you got to speak it. I think it's more than just being the right thing, like doing the right thing. I'm sorry. It's not just like doing the right thing. Like I'm just going to be a good person and everybody will like me, right? You never speak the name of Jesus. You never tell the people around you. I think your boldness comes not just in standing up and being the character or being the good person that you are. I think it's about speaking the name of Jesus and allowing the people around you to hear the gospel come out of your mouth and for you to share the gospel with the people around you. I believe you can do it. I believe you can do it. It's not going to be this perfect, well-versed type of gospel presentation, which I'm fixing to share with you here in just a second. But I think it is one of those moments where, what if I just tried and allowed the Holy Spirit to work through me in that moment? That is boldness. And that is being a rebel against all the ungodliness that's around you. I want to challenge you to do that. 